We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. If you missed Cooley's uh, offensive film breakdown from yesterday, um, I would urge you to go back and listen to it. Uh, Dwayne Haskins wasn't the only F grade. Um, and he wasn't the only F grade among players. Uh, there was also an F grade among the coaching staff. Uh, go listen to it. It was pretty good. Uh, he'll have his defensive film breakdown today. Um, I wanted to just start with this. Actually, you made me aware of something right before we started to record this podcast. I guess we can start with this. Dan Lebetard apparently admitting that his show all those years, I don't, I don't even know how long Dan Lebetard's had this show on ESPN, where he has like a cast and he claims to be... It's called Highly Questionable. Is that what it's called? Um, I know that he's yeah. got the Cuban father, and I'm assuming he's from Cu- uh, he's uh, Cuban descent as well. Well, apparently all that was made up, and the guy um, that played his Cuban father, who was kind of the funny guy on the show, um, was made up. He was Doug from Des Moines, and he was just an actor. And Lebetard's coming clean with all of this today. I don't know if this is a bit from him or not. It's hilarious. Yeah. Did you watch the show? Doug from Des Moines should have an Oscar if that's not really his father. Right. He did a great job. Um, Do you watch that show? when was the, I, I used to like the show i actually really used to like that show it's been a while since it's been on right i haven't watched a lot of espn lately so i don't know i mean they, i did like that show it was a, i liked it because i thought the dad was hysterical it was a radio show too i mean i, I don't know if that show was a radio show but levitard had a radio show you know somebody um somebody said to me this is like a year ago i'm just reminded of this they said to me Sheehan, you know less about your industry than anybody I've listened to on the air. And I, I don't know if that's true or not. You know, I know a lot about the business part of the industry. I, do, I, I, I keep up with that. But I am not a big consumer of a lot of these products. There are things that I really like that I watch and I listen to. And then the rest of it just sort of blends together for me and has for years. And you know, Cooley, maybe it's the same way people feel about talk radio. Although I think local sports talk radio has always had a different setting, a different niche, um, and more than the national stuff. But the national stuff, like to me, I cannot tell you 
who hosts what sports center show at what time on ESPN or what any of these shows are or who's involved in them. I mean, I turn it on and I, I know, I know Stephen A's show first take, you know, with Max Kellerman, I obviously know Scott's sports sports center show, which I think is fantastic. And Scott has been my best friend for 30 plus years. Obviously I know that I know PTI because I know Tony and Mike, and I've always been a fan of that show, even though I, I don't watch it a lot because because of the time that it's on. But all of this other stuff, I really don't pay attention to it. I don't really consume it. That's true. I mean, I don't there's only one national radio sports show that I listen to on occasion, and that's Mad Dog. It's the only one. Um, so You love Mad Dog. I do. I've always loved Mad Dog. I, I thought that Mike and the Mad Dog, well, they are the gold standard uh, in terms of what we do or what I've been doing for years. They're the gold standard, and nobody's ever come close to them, and I'm not sure anybody ever will. The two of them together, and I don't listen to Mike by himself over the years since, uh, since Russo left uh, him back in 2008, 2009, whatever that year was, on um, Sirius XM. Uh, but... Uh, I, I don't, I don't, I know a lot of you really consume a lot of this stuff. I don't, first of all, I'm on the air and we're, and pr- we're producing shit here. Um, by the way, p- uh, there are a couple of people that complain that we curse too much. I think we did a lot yesterday for some reason. So we'll try to, well, um, we'll try to cut back on it. Um, I don't really, I don't feel the need to, it's just sort of the way we converse with one another. It's always been that way off the air. Um, maybe we can try to improve. Uh, but anyway, the, the, the shows that I've done, the more recent show with you and then by myself, you know, I, I can't watch anything when I'm doing a radio show. And when we're, when, when we've been doing this podcast, I'm not watching any of the other stuff. I don't go home and watch, um, you know, ESPN or Fox sports or CBS, whatever uh, other networks there are. I will listen to our station. You know, I'll listen to Galdi if, if he's still on by the time I get done. Usually he's off. And, you know, and, and Brian and Doc and Zabe over the years, obviously, I've, I've consumed our station and our market more than anything else because it's the most helpful thing to prepare for the next day's show more times than not. I don't know. Maybe I should follow it more closely. Maybe that person. I don't right. follow it very closely. Well, I know you don't. I just watch games. I watch games. That's what I do. I watch games. I really don't care what other people have to say about games. I don't. And that's funny because that's what we're doing right now. (laughs) I know. Like I sit there, I totally feel the same way, and yet I'm sure people are like, "Who the who the hell cares what you guys think?" I mean, people probably think what you think and care about what you believe. You know, you analyze, but um, I understand all that. Look, this is a very. it's a very interesting thing. This guy Trog Keller, who is the has been the president of ESPN Radio for many years, and I believe Trog is still in that position. And I was introduced to Trog through Scott and through Tony a few years back, and I'll never forget something he said to me. He said the relationship between the local sports talk radio host and his or her audience is the most intimate and the most leverageable in all of sports broadcasting. And, you know, you and I have had these conversations before. I get it. 
I understand that. And I'm not necessarily saying it's you with this podcast or you with the radio shows that I've been involved in or Cooley's been involved in, but I know a lot of you are incredibly loyal and it's much appreciated. And it, you know, I hope we've made that clear over the years, but I remember when he said that to me, I was like, that makes sense to me because national shows don't in if you're in a local market with a lot of local big time teams and DC has enough big time teams and you're a fan of those teams you're going to listen to that local person and that person if you like that person and listen to that show it becomes part of your routine much more than national shows do and much more than say like um, a play-by-play guy who you tune in and listen to maybe once every couple of weeks. This is every day, three hours a day on radio. So we did a four-hour show. Um, you know, an hour and a half on average on a podcast. And it's much more um, intimate. It's we're, we're, the, the hosts are more exposed. And there's definitely a more of a relationship that I think that develops between the host and the listener than in other formats and in other sports mediums. I understand that. Um, and when he said that, I remember thinking to myself, I get that. Of course, many of the managers that we've worked for and even salespeople have never understood that enough, but whatever. Um, I don't know how we got sidetracked on this. Oh, I didn't, I don't really, I didn't really watch the Levitard show that much. Was it yeah, good? It wasn't a day. It was funny. It was a little half hour show. Okay. I'll tell you the show that funny I little bits. I don't like that show. I don't I'm I'm this is bad. I don't know the name of it, but it's the show that comes on before PTI. I don't like that show. And if, with all the bubbles of people? Yes. I can that So here's why I think I like the Levitard show and why I hate that show. They weren't taking themselves so seriously on the Levitard show. Right. They had little bits. Are the Bills a, a contender for the Super Bowl? And then they would just hold up a sign that says, see or no. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, they yeah. don't have to go into explaining 10 reasons that they don't really understand. Right. And then somebody's ding. Oh, you get a point because you said something smart about the Bills. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, I, I liked it because it was it was fun talk about sports, but it, that's all it was. Right. It wasn't, I'm so smart talking about sports. Yeah. I don't know. I, I look, think that's the problem. A- I just, I hate the, I hate the role that I'm in. I hate the, the overanalyzing of sports. Yeah. But you know what? It's, it's um, the one thing. And I had a conversation with somebody about this the other day with our new ownership group. It's a very subjective thing, what we do. And this is why I don't get wrapped up into what people say or what they think about it. I know, um, you know, there are days when I leave, I'm like, I think that was a really good show. I hope people enjoyed it. And there are definitely days when you do as many as you do during the course of the year where I'm like, I think that sucked. And then I find out that people actually enjoyed it even more. Or if a show that I really liked, people are like, oh, that sucked today. It's a very subjective thing, um, the b- bottom line. I bet if I consumed more, I would find more that I like. Um, but, I, but I don't really... Um, I, my attention's more on, you know, what what do I like, A, and B, what's going to help me prepare for next day's show? 
because yeah. when you well, do normally watching games you watch the thing that helps you prepare yeah that or you know listening to other local shows and following other local you know new stories you know i'll read a lot i think there are a lot of people here locally that write well and you know i love what ben's become i think ben once he got on the skins beat has become really good at, i mean he writes a lot um, and he's actually become a really good radio and podcast guest. I'm a I'm a fan of JP's. I think he does a good job. Um, I really like. I'll tell you what. I'll just I'll mention her. I think Nikki Javala, who's the new uh, Skins beat reporter for the Post, is as good as they've had doing this in a long time. Like I'd go back to Mike Jones. Like Mike was really good at it too. Um, and I'm sure I'm forgetting other people that I really like. John Keim, obviously, I, li- I like a lot. Um, so uh, th- that's where most of my, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna think about work, I'm gonna consume those things, not some national ESPN or Fox Sports show. Yeah, I hear you. I like Van Pelt. Well, Scott's. He, I think he's the best at what he does. Well, your friends, it's your friend. Yeah, I think he's as good as anybody at what he does. No, he's incredible at what he does. But again. I think that's the way I would rather consume it with somebody that maybe doesn't overanalyze things, but has some fun segments and some fun bits. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's what sports center used to be. That's all ESPN used to be. It was, it was 90% sports center and it was Van Pelt and Berman and Kenny Maine was hysterical Booyah! I mean, all this stuff. Stuart Scott. And then it, it slowly became this overly critical, overly analyzing network with so many people that are experts. Some are good, and they also do fun things. You know, one the one of the things that I think is is amazing on ESPN, and they don't show it that much on the television, is all the Peyton Manning stuff. Love that stuff. The tour that that he's went on, yeah, over the last two years, his film stuff is exceptional. If you want to enjoy somebody talking about a game, which is what this is actually hysterical for me. It's so highly produced and so well done. And he breaks down like 30 to 35 plays on on quarterback in any given week. I don't know if he, I don't think he did it this year. He did it last year, but it's, it was hysterical to me because I had told like seven people before anyone had really done this. If you could produce this to some extent and show snippets of other things that I'm talking about or other references as you're going along watching the film, this is a consumable 30 minutes of, of television. Everyone's like, no one's going to watch film for 30 minutes. No, no, no. Watch the Peyton Manning film breakdowns. They're excellent. Well, look, excellent. look, I'm th- this, I've said this to you before. When you came on the radio station back in whatever year that was, I think it was 2013, right? It was the year after the RG3 2012 season. I'm pretty sure it was 2013. It may have been 2014. When you came on the radio station and you didn't even want to do a talk show, you just wanted to do the games, but it became part of your deal with the radio station to do a talk show. And they put you on with Zabe and with Galdi, and it was a very good show. Um, I immediately, and you know this, I immediately became a fan 
because I thought that um, you were doing some stuff that was really like unique. And, you know, we had and, and have had a lot of ex-players on in the market before on Sports Talk Radio, but nobody approached it the way you did. And, and they all had their strengths, but your strength really was like we were going to sit there and we were going to learn. Now, I'm not saying that your sense of humor and having fun wasn't a part of it, you know, on that show and, and on the show we did as well. But but really, you know, again, this is a, is a subjective thing. But the thing that I hear more than anything else when people refer to you or to the show we did together or the show you did with Zabe and Galdi is how much they learn from you more than anybody else in the market. And I think that that was 100% true. And then when you started the film breakdown thing, where you were grading every player from the game, no one had done that. Nobody had done that. And um, and I, and it was really, by the way, it, it also coincided with a couple of terrible seasons. And this is going to go back to things that I've told uh, you guys uh, before, that even when they had terrible years, it wasn't always the worst thing for us. Winning would have been better for us and will always be better for us if they win. We, we, we know that from other markets like Boston where the ratings soar. They're through the roof because they've had winners in that market. If we had the same level of winning in this market, it would have been much better for all of us. But when you started that film breakdown, part of the entertainment value was how you were like, oh my God. Robert Griffin III. I can't even evaluate his game today or evaluate the offense because it was he was so bad. Like that stuff, we really we didn't understand that. Um, and I think you, I think it was really great. I think it's great on the podcast too, and I hear that from everybody. But anyway, whatever. Um, did you have anything else to say about this? Because I I, I want to get to one thing before we get to your defensive film breakdown. Uh, no, I don't. I, I don't. I just I think it's interesting that I do something and I know that I do it differently because everything in my life has to be done differently. Right. And I know that this is what I'm doing is is unique to me and, and more and more people are doing it and more and more people are trying to do it. Um, but I, you know, I, why I started doing the film breakdown. I, I forget why. Because I was not more than a year out. And I didn't know what was going on in the game. As I was calling the game, it was hard to see it and hard to remember it. And that first year, I didn't have any access besides the All-22, which was maybe the first year the All-22 had come out. Right. And I sat there and watched it. And it, that was when you had the 10-second rewind was the only way you could do it. <laughs> so you'd sit there for like five hours, 10-second rewind, watch the whole thing again, 10-second rewind, whole thing again. But I did it because I really wasn't, I was talking about the game and the three hour radio show and I didn't believe what I was saying. I was becoming me the current host <laughs> that I know the current former player analyst that you talk about that become cliched because you're saying things that, you know, fit and they, they're not wrong a lot of the time, but you don't know exactly what happened. So I started just watching every game on film. Well, and, and that made you different because you know, going back for as long as we've known each other, I would say to you, I mean, as some, like I've always felt if you bet sports, you actually have a completely different perspective than those that don't bet it. I've always felt that way. I've, 
I, I've, I've mentioned that many times and given you reasons why. And, and I can tell you that a lot of us that have bet sports over the years have looked at the so-called experts, you know, that are talking about and previewing games and picking games. And we're like, oh my God, that dude doesn't know anything. <laughs> like he played the game for years or he coached the game for years and he's a hundred percent wrong. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's just a different perspective. And then you took, you took it to a level of really explaining what was going on in the game and really having an understanding for it. And then being open-minded enough to consider the whole betting perspective and why your analysis sometimes didn't, you know, equal uh, a, a pre, a, an accurate preview to a game. You know what I mean? Like I can remember one of the first conversations we had because you loved the smell test from the beginning, and you were like so into it, and you're like, "Good God!" I mean. I would have thought that that game would have been totally different, and 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 you were right about this game. And why is that? And, and I and I'm, I'm I'm like I don't know why it is. That's the point. I don't it's know. Smart in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, the people there know, <laughs> but I just I just know to I just know that I and people like me don't know, and I just go against all of us. And um, anyway, it, wh- whatever. I, I wanted to um. I wanted to just mention something about Dwayne Haskins before we get started on your defensive film breakdown and anything else that we want to get into. So Adam Schefter put out a tweet yesterday um, when the um, period of time to claim Dwayne Haskins off of waivers had come and gone. And Schefter tweeted out that Haskins went unclaimed on waivers. And he said he's now free to sign wherever there's interest. And Schefter reported that there are teams that already have expressed some interest per a source. By the way, to um, those that said that I said he was going to be claimed off waivers, I didn't say that. I said, I think he's going to get another chance in the league. I did not think he would be claimed off waivers because <laughs> claiming claiming him off waivers claims his contract too, and nobody wants that. Um, but let me just mention that I had a couple of conversations last night. I, I, I just want – Dwayne's not in a good place right now, you know, Obviously, I think that he, you know, may be coming to grips that his career and all that he assumed that would come with a professional career is very much in peril, very much in jeopardy. Um, I think there's also an understanding from what I've been told that, you know, in looking for another opportunity, it's not going to be easy because of all of the quarterbacks that are going to be available in the offseason and in the draft. I think he'll get another uh-huh. chance somewhere. It's not going to be as a starter. You know, there's no chance on that. But, you know, I, I wanted to just mention the following thing because I think sometimes, you know, you, you get carried away. And I've, I, I put myself into, into this, um, you know, group of people that get carried away with young people. And I know that they're, he's an adult and he's made a lot of money and all that. But let's be honest what we've learned about Haskins is that he relies on you know the need for validation outside validation you know we've talked about his social media stuff some of you mocked us for it whatever he was always you know retweeting positive things and not negative things and you know he was much more interested in sort of the the way he was viewed as a brand um, and not so much as we discussed yesterday that his his ultimate goal should have just been to become good at football, which is the way you described it yesterday, which is 100% spot on. You know, but he's not 
he's not unique. And I don't want to make this just about a younger generation, but it's my experience. You know, it typically is younger people who are so consumed with social media and, and using social media's response to those young people as a way to feel good about themselves, like a way to validate themselves. And, you know, their mood swings based on what they read on social media. And I think Dwayne's immaturity, you know, which everybody's referred to, you know, it, it, there, there's a lot of that involved. And we, we saw that, you know. Um, I just hope, man, I hope he figures it out. And I hope he understands that he's not the only 22 or 23-year-old that, you know, needs like this outside validation from people he doesn't even know, you know, to somehow make him validated. He needs to do that. The only people he should be concerned with or how he feels about himself and about about how his coaches feel about him. The, those are the only people, you know, and the, his loved ones, obviously. Those are the people that matter. Um, and, you know, I can imagine right now is a very, very difficult time for him. Think about all that he thought he was on the verge of becoming. The league done messed up. Don't be a fan later. You know, all of these things. You know, we went through this with RG3. This is the second time for this market. Going through it with a quarter. But th- there's a big difference, right? RG3 actually performed on the field. He was the rookie of the year. He he was a star for a six-month period. Um, Dwayne d- didn't even get to enjoy that. But... I don't, you know, I I don't know the advice you give to somebody about how to grow up, but you certainly somebody has to get through to him that the only goal is being good at football and the only people who matter when it comes to being good at football are the people that employ him and coach him. And and that's it. All the other stuff doesn't matter at all. Like we talked about yesterday Cooley, like, how much money is he really going to make off the Kingdom of Pride clothing line? How much was, you know, a new Rolls or a new Bentley, you know, with embroidered Kingdom of Pride clothing line branding in the seats really going to bring him? Like, that stuff just, it's peanuts compared to if he becomes good at football, what he will make. But well, the thing is, is Kingdom of Pride is going to make him way more once he's really good at football, <laughs> right? Maybe, maybe <laughs> not. I bet it still ends up being a tiny fraction of what he could have made playing football, and maybe what he still will make. I here the net of it is, uh, God, I hope he, I hope he's okay, and I hope he gets through this, and I hope it's a great learning experience, and he's got the thick skin and the toughness to bounce back and the resilience to bounce back and and get another chance and prove it the next time he gets another chance. I think everyone hopes that for him. I hope he gets what he, what he works for, Kev. I hope he learns how to work for it and he figures it out. But I do. Let, but let me everyone ma- does. But one other I thing. I don't know. I, I, no one's rooting against the kid to have success in life. Uh, I don't know about that. One other thing. This is not the team's fault. Okay. It's not the team's fault. No. This is not the media's fault. It's not the player's fault. It's not the team's fault. If you want to put some of the blame on Dan Snyder, absolutely. I totally am on board with that. Um, but really, at the end of the day, even if he got drafted into a difficult situation, he could have changed the way it turned out. He had that power to do that. Um, 
you know, we heard for multiple years about Griffin, right? That it was, it was the fans, it was the media, it was the team. No, it was him. It was him. And the multiple other teams and coaching staffs validated that it was him. Um, and this is a second coaching staff for for uh, for Dwayne, so it's it's him more than it's anything else. But I but anyway, I'm, I I hope it turns out well uh, for him. All right, uh, we'll get to Cooley's defensive film breakdown right after this word from one of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Cooley's Film Breakdown uh, brought to you by MyBookie today. Every sports fan knows that it's not about how you start the season. It's about how you finish. And Cooley, the smell test, 5-2-1 and one last weekend after a 6-1-1 one and one weekend uh, before. Uh, I am closing in on 500. I think I'm two games now below 500 after being at one point, like 16 or 17 games below 500. This season's going the opposite direction of last year where I started fast, finished slowly. This year started slowly, finishing uh, quickly. Um, I will. I may have, by the way, a bull pick at the very end of this show today. Uh, sign up at mybookie.ag right now, and they will match your deposit halfway up to $1,000. And while you're at it, you can ring the holidays in with a bunch of giveaway opportunities. MyBookie's hooking players up with free bets, casino chips, blackjack tournaments, huge cash prizes, and it's all week long. To get in on the action, it's simple. Sign up, make your first deposit, enter my promo code KevinDC to claim your bonus and start taking advantage of the holiday freebies. Head over to MyBookie to discover this year's batch of fun with on-site promotions, and you'll win big with multiple days of giveaways at mybookie.ag. This holiday season, bet with the best, bet with my bookie. All right, it's time for Cooley's Film Breakdown. We're going in-depth, play-by-play. The Cooley Film Breakdown. Here's Cooley and Kevin. All right, uh, the defense uh, gave up 14 points on Sunday to the Panthers. We've already had a conversation about how we both felt it played. I, I felt it wasn't as good um, as you uh, thought it was. Uh, upon further review with the film breakdown, what, how, how, how bad or how good was the defense on Sunday? It wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. They found ways to make plays when they had to make plays. Right. I think that's a key part. They could have given up more points than they did. They absolutely could have. But it wasn't as bad. 
I think as you thought it was. The other thing is a defense right now that's got to play Michael Kendricks for eight plays. How long has he been here? Khalid Hudson's going to play 17 plays in this game. Jeremy Reeves was not going to play or start at safety at the beginning portion of this year. I don't think that they envisioned uh, Cameron Curl being a starting strong safety at any point in the season. They're playing with a lot of pieces that weren't even part of the defense to start the season. You know, they've had great health up front and up front's where they're still getting it done. But there's a lot of guys that are just new guys, new faces. Right. So I think there's something to that. Okay. They also, you know, there were, there were situations where they gave some things up, but they found ways to make plays. There were also situations where they should have had better opportunities. Like, my gosh, you get a, Bridgewater scramble in a third down situation and balls knocked out. They actually knock it forward instead of knocking it backwards. It just, I mean, the luck of the bounce around and then Carolina gets that thing. That would have been incredibly helpful. Yeah. Now that Davis fumbled, that was an absolute fumble that Cam Curl punches out on that play. There's no doubt in my mind that that's a fumble. That should have never been ruled dead. Come on with that. Yeah, you don't need to rule that play dead. That, that, he wasn't being held up and getting to take a bunch of hits. He was still moving forward. So um, I don't know if Reeves scores on that play. He does a nice job of scooping. Carolina stops as the play. Yeah, as exactly. They hear the whistles blown. So I don't, I don't know if it's a true scoop and score situation, but it might be, you know, and the defense scores again. You got another opportunity. So I didn't think it was the absolute worst, if you want to put it in that in that fashion. Um, I didn't think it was. And, I didn't think it was terrible. I just thought that the run defense was concerning. Yeah, I mean, the problem I saw with the run defense was, I think it was until the fourth quarter that they actually ended up with a tackle for loss. They weren't. There were a couple plays that they got gashed on, like the Samuel run, which we'll talk about, that they got gashed on. But there wasn't a ton of big runs, four, three, four, five-yard runs. Right. More of them than than not. I, I just – if you don't want to get run on, get a, a tackle for no gain or a tackle for loss on one of those drives. And I think that that's going to be super impactful. Like it was this – it was the second-to-last drive, or the, it was really the last drive that – Chase Young blew up field on a toss type play, got inside the receiver trying to crack block him. Deron Payne scoots down the line of scrimmage. You got a two yard loss, ends up being a third and 12. They run the ball the next play and they stop that. But that's how you stop the run plays. Like get one tackle for loss type of play. The other thing in looking at it, like Bostic is not a not a great inside linebacker. We understand that, but he's slow to fit. He is struggling with getting off blocks and avoiding and where to avoid same as Cleek Hudson in this game. And if you want to get some of these tackles for, for loss, you got to hit those holes as linebackers. And there was uh, the, the fumble, the Davis fumble. It was a run blitz. Bostick's definitely on a blitz on that play. And all of a sudden, boom, he's in the backfield two yards deep. Like I think if they want to stop the run, they don't have to go with that five man front, but they just have to take some more risks as far as maybe playing one less guy in coverage. The other thing is I would not zone drop Ryan Kerrigan. 
like in some of those, they don't dropped him a couple times. Like, I'm just going to bring five. I like Del Rio bringing five in first and second down situations. I do. I think that's a better way to stop the run is to bring Bostic. So, you know, there's some of that stuff. A couple other things I thought was interesting in this game defensively before we get to the actual guys. What in the world is Steven Sims Jr. doing fielding that punt that he fumbled? They're in safe punt. The defense is on the field. There is nobody blocking for him. There's no return set up. They're in safe punt. Oh, I didn't even know that. You got the defense out on the field. The starting defense is on the field. So just fair catch that punt. Right. Jeez. Like they're, neither corner, Darby or Fuller, get a block on the gunners on the edge, but that's not their job. I mean, they, they're attempting. So he's got two Carolina Panthers right in his face as he's going to catch. Even if he catches, he's getting hit in the mouth. What's he doing filling that punt? Uh, I don't know. He, he... I don't know. I was just watching the film, and as it rolls through, I mean, you watch the All-22. It rolls through. You get to the fourth down, and I just thought, I'm just going to sit here and watch this punt. And I'm <laughs> watching it. I'm like, You're just this gonna guy's watch a moron. Jesus. Okay. So that was a th- I mean, that killed them in the game. That was a huge oh, momentum swing. A massive tone setter for the rest of the game. I mean, that was their third stop yeah. in a row. Well, it was the first yeah. drive came on a they got a fourth down stop. They they were fine right there. And then Carolina scored on their next two positions. Yeah. Um for having a backup left tackle in the game and then a third string, they sure ran a lot of games and stunts. They sure had Chase Young inside. They actually had a four down front and a third down situation where they lined up Young over the guard and Montez Sweat on the same side and Payne and Allen on the opposite side. Why did they do that? Chase Young gets doubled by three guys inside. His play to force the interception, was was that really an interception, by the way? Did that ball actually come out forward? Yeah. Looked like a fumble. What, oh, the curl play? The, the, yeah. the Chase Young uh, curl play? If I was Chase Young, uh, I, I would want that to be a sack fumble. <laughs> I thought that that was an interception. It doesn't, it's a yeah. turnover. It doesn't really matter. But that play and then the sack fumble play, those both come off free edge rushes by Chase Young. Right. The other sack that they get in the game, um, one of the other sacks, Montez Sweat, straight edge rush against their left tackle. Yeah. You're getting a little cute with some of the stunts and all the stuff moving around when you don't need to do that. When your guys can just beat the third string left tackle. <laughs> yeah, or the second string left tackle. You, you didn't need to do that. And so that's something that I, I found interesting. They, they got more out of that into the later part of the game, but I, I didn't get it. I sort I of, that. I'm watching The Sims. On the all 22 punt return. Um, yeah, this is this is not a punt. They don't have a punt return set up. So I don't know why he's fielding it. But the reaction from him afterwards is like all of his other reactions. I, I just, I don't see a guy, and it's really, this is major projecting. 
I just don't see a guy that realizes that his team's on the verge of potentially clinching a division and going to the playoffs. And you if, can't if, stand that dude. And if I if I don't have a guy out there that knows what the stakes are and is playing to that level, I'm not putting him out there. I I told you this yesterday or the day before. If he is back on a punt return on Sunday night, what are you going to do? And and they and they lose because of it. It is are you on call them. Someone? Are you going to make a call? Are you going to write a letter? <laughs> I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to write a letter. <laughs> I'm going to write a letter to Ron Rivera. Uh, seriously, that would be the dumbest. One of the dumbest things they could do is have Steven Sims backfielding a punt on Sunday night football against the Eagles. This guy doesn't want any part of it. So put Isaiah right well, back there. Well, you wanted some part of it because the guy that didn't want any <laughs> any part of it would have fucking fair caught it. I mean, it was it was not – there was no punt return on this thing set up. No they, punt return at all. That's no. So that's what I'm saying. It's, it's safe. It, well, it, 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 it says that the guy's head isn't in the game. He didn't even know it was called. <laughs> he didn't, it does say that. It does say that, doesn't it? it? Yeah, he doesn't know what was called. He doesn't have his head in the game. And then after they score the touchdown, I don't. He just doesn't even look that concerned about it. Eh, okay. Uh, well, they scored. <laughs> I don't really want to be back there on punts anyway. I just want to catch passes. Yeah, well, he doesn't do that all the time either. <laughs> all right, so I just want to try to catch more passes. Sorry, let me rephrase that. All right. All right. Let me give you one more thing here. One more thing. I want to see if you can figure this out with me. So their third touchdown, they it comes off a third and 16 conversion down the middle of the field that Jeremy Reeves gives up as a single high safety. They then get to a third and seven situation. It's in the second quarter. Anybody that wants to follow this along. Second quarter to third and seven. At the Washington 14, it's three minutes and 12 seconds left in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. They line up in a three wide receiver set to the right with the back to the right. They flip the back to the left. No one moves. So you're in what looks like a zone coverage. But everybody's matching in this zone coverage. Robbie Anderson runs across the middle and nobody accounts for him. No. You know, as you watch the play, Holcomb goes hard out to the flat. Fuller carries vertical with the receiver to the left. And there's nobody in the middle of the field. Now, Bostic turned and ran hard with the seam down the middle. And I'm thinking he's running hard like he's a cover two player, like a Tampa two player carrying the seam. Right. The only player who seems out of place here is begins on the three wide receiver side over Robbie Anderson, it's Jimmy Moreland. He's just dropping back to no man's land. So let the whole play play out. And then watch watch Reeves look back. And I think he looks back at, at Jimmy Moreland. I'm watching him. Hold on. He's pointing back at somebody. Yeah, he is. Like... I, yeah. And I've, I've, I've followed this like nine times. Yeah, it's Moreland. It's got to be Moreland had to trail there. Yeah, it's Moreland. Moreland is the is the slot corner here, right? He is on on Anderson, and he just drops back into the end zone. He's got the he's got the wrong defensive call, obviously. What's he doing? <laughs> I don't know at all what he's doing. Some this is one of those ones where it's, but it's hard to grade this. I think it's Moreland. 
I mean, look, it's third and seven. I mean, they're at the 14. They can get a first down. You're trying to stop them from the first down. Moreland's into the end zone near nobody. He's near nobody. It, it, it looks like they're playing two-man. It looks like they're playing a cover two-man look. But neither of the saf- the safeties are really bracketing the receiver. So they're not. it's not really a two-man. It's like a two-man bracket where your safeties are bracketing two of the receivers. So you've doubled two receivers, dropped one guy to no man's land, and turned Robbie Anderson completely free. Reeves. This happens. Uh, Reeves, Reeves, he, Reeves could be talking to Bostic. Yeah, follow where he's looking. Bostic's, he's looking at Bostic. He's not looking at. Is he looking at Bostic? Yeah, he's looking at Bostic. It would make sense that Bostic would have to go with that, but here's my problem: the receiver running vertical, DJ Moore, down the middle of the field, is not going to get covered by Reeves if. Bostic doesn't run with him. Mm-hmm. It, so he would be what you would consider number three, DJ Moore, running vertical down the hatch. I see him. There's no way that Reeves can cover this with the outside leverage that he has presented to Teddy Bridgewater and to DJ Moore. Mm-hmm. He is two yards outside of this vertical running seam. And on the other side, the tight safety is Cameron Curl, who is not going to be able to fall back into this. It's a touchdown either way. If Bostic doesn't carry that, it's a, it's he's throwing it. Right. I mean it. It so the thing is, is it it looks like quarters initially with the shell, but Jimmy Moreland would not be dropping back to the. I don't know what they're. I don't know. These are one of the fun. When there's a bust, it's fun, and I think coaching staffs go through this a lot of times. Like, okay, what are we gonna what are we gonna classify this as? How are we gonna how are we gonna label this coverage? What are we gonna see when we get down inside the twenty yard line between the fifteen and twenty? What are they gonna play? This would be like quarters question mark forty four question. I mean, they have they have five receivers out, including the back, including Davis, who comes out of the backfield. Sure, you know. Del Rio has been a big blitzer in the red zone. Not here. Rushed four. Yeah, rushed four, seven. blown coverage. They've also been a team that hasn't blown a lot of coverages. Right. This is this is a drive. This drive was a dagger drive. It was it was a dagger drive. It really was because you had them in a third and sixteen after a sack by Holcomb. Right. <clears throat> that was really Chase Young's sack. I mean, it was Holcomb sack, but Chase Young made the play. The third and 16 is ugly, you know, on this dagger drive. Reeves is, they're playing cover three. And the receiver's running down the middle of the field. And Reeves is splitting the two outside receivers. You're like, who are you planning on covering there, pal? You give up a third and 16 and you blow a coverage on a third and seven. That's that's to me the dagger drive. And we can get to the film film breakdown right now. All right, uh, you're going to start with the D line. Sure, let's start with Chase Young. Okay. He was awesome. His last two games have been outstanding. He's been outstanding in all but I think four games this season, and those four games weren't D performed. I think there was one D for Chase Young this year. 
but most part it's been A's and B's with a couple seasons. He's been really good this year. Great. He really is. I mean, you're trying to double team him on the edge with tight end and tackle. They're running zone at him. He's splitting that. And then he's pushing the tackle back into the backfield and he's forcing cutbacks. And it's just, it's just like, this guy's hard to block, man. He's got some power. He's a, he's elusive, you know, a little bit slippery. He knows where the ball's going to hit. He's a really smart football player. That's the thing I've noticed. I think I said this in week six or seven. A guy knows where the ball's going to hit. He should take some more risks. He started to take some more risks. Yeah. And I like that. Like there's a first down and six down by the goal line. And they try to block with the tight end coming from the backside. And I've done that block so many times. The only thing you don't want is for them to wrong arm, turn their shoulder, dip inside of you. That makes it hard as hell. And DNs don't do that very often. It's, it's wild. They'll go up the field or they'll sit there, wait on you. And you're like, thank you. But when they do crash hard like that, it's a mother. Oh, look, look at that tackle. He just right there. He just, sw- he just swallows people. So does pain. That's the, the thing I've noticed about the two of them is that when they tackle, like there's no chance for any runner to go forward after they, they have tackled them. There's, they're not going to get carried for an extra yard or two. The, the guy is going down immediately or backwards. Uh, yeah, he is. He engulfs people. Oh my God. He's a, I don't know if I've seen him miss a tackle this year. By the way, for those of you that, that are wondering if he could be the defensive player of the year, that's not going to happen. T.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, one of those two players. He is a lock now, in my opinion, and he's the favorite to win the defensive rookie of the year, which would be the first in Washington's history to have a defensive rookie of the year. They've had three offensive rookie of the years. Uh, Robert Griffin III, Mike Thomas, and Charlie Taylor. They've never had a defensive rookie of the year. They're going to have one this year. Yeah, they're going to have one this year. I mean, he's just, he's explosive, man. We just talked about that Holcomb sack. Yeah. The, the Holcomb sack that preceded the third and 16. Chase Young is on a stunt inside the tackle, and Holcomb's coming off the outside edge. The tackle barely even touches Young. He gets his numbers down, he's low, and really the only thing the tackle does is by touching him is propel him at Bridgewater. He doesn't get Bridgewater, but Teddy has literally nowhere to go. I mean, that just that play in general, watch his length, watch his first two or three steps vertical up the field, like his, his big open hard stuff inside plant off his right and push <laughs> just gains so much ground so quickly. Oh my God. The, the Holcomb sack. I mean, he is there in less than two seconds. Young. He, I mean, it, one, 1,000 yeah, in a second and a half. He's in Teddy Bridgewater's face. The tackle barely touches him. Get it? It's a backup tackle, but my God, like that well, it, big it, open it, it step, was a, like it was a stunt. Yeah, it is a stunt. He just his plant off his right foot. It's his left foot steps more than a full yard gaining ground, and he's athletic enough that that do, that doesn't slow him down even an instant. Chris, like, how, how often do they line him up left side versus right side? He's on the defensive right side, I would say, 75 to 80% of the time. Okay. Because he will line up at at the left-end spot occasionally, too. Yeah, on occasion, he does. 
but more times than not, he's on the defensive right side. But that play in general, you watch that freak right there. Jeez. Uh, sack on an interception is huge. It's not a sack. I guess it's a tip ball is what you'd call that, right? Tip yep. ball? Yep. That's a sack, dude. He should get a sack for that. That was a big-time play in that game, though. Not even going to hardly get stats for it. The sack fumble was outstanding. Just speed with a rip rush. I mean, it's just great. And then I love guys that just know, get the ball out. Like that to me, I, I feel like you have to be good enough to have had a bunch of sacks in your career before you just say, sack's not good enough. Let me get the ball out. And you, you get the ball out and it is a sack. That's, that's was, the difference between really good guys, uh, really good uh, pass rushers, and then the elite ones. The ones that say, not only am I going to get there, but we're going to have the ball when the, when the play is over. I'm going to take the ball from them. <laughs> and it, that's also the difference between teams that win and teams that lose in yeah. the NFL, when you can take the ball from them. By the way, I sort of agree with you on this curl interception. There is, I mean, his arm... I don't think his arm ever goes forward. I think it's a fumble. It's just like the Dwayne fumble early in the game. Yeah, but this one, I, I don't even know. To be honest with you, I don't even know how it got up into the air. Here's my question to you. What? That ball hits the ground. Is it going to be ruled a fumble? Well, it almost, from on the all-22 end zone camera, looks like it does hit the ground and bounces up and Curl picks it off. It's a weird angle to watch the play, um, but Young completely stops the forward motion of the arm, and I, you know this is one of those I, I, I need to go back to the TV copy really, but like I've got it freeze framed right as Young knocks it, and that that arm just does not seem to come forward with the ball in the hand. But then again, I don't know how it got to curl downfield, so I don't know. Um, whatever it was, but to think of how, think of how massive that play was. Oh, it's huge because they're going to score there. Yeah. They're, they're already in. It's a first, it, it's a, it's a first and 10 in Washington's territory. They're on the move. It's another drive for them. Yeah. There's 21 seconds left. The ball's at the 40 yard line. They're going to score there. Yeah. Likely. I just, I don't, if I was Chase Young, I would say that's, there's no way that that's a forward pass. Give me another sack. I guess. I mean, maybe he just – it looks like he throws it. We'll, we'll watch the TV copy on that. Maybe he hits his arm. Yeah. And he keeps the ball in his hand. Still, though, that said, you see a guy that knows how to go for the ball. And it, it, it's almost like in this world that we live in in the NFL – and in this instance, he has to go for the ball. He can't hit Bridgewater's body. He's getting blocked enough. But in this in this world in the NFL, you almost want to hit the ball versus the player because you don't want the penalty. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the next play after the sack fumble, the next possession, there's a the little toss play, and they're trying to crack him with the receiver. That's the dumbest play call by Carolina all day. You can't crack Chase Young with the receiver. <laughs> Which play was this? It's the next drive after the interception. Oh, okay. 
it's the first down on the next drive. We, you, you pull this play up too, if you're following along. And I suggest everyone, like all 22, if you watch the NFL, if you're listening to this podcast, you watch the NFL. It's so worth it. You can go back and watch condensed games, everything. It's, it's incredible. Right. Yeah, I can put this on my TV. Like I watched this film on an 85-inch television. It's great. I wish they made this available for college film. But yeah, follow along when you do this. I mean, the, the next play, God, it's just unbelievable. Oh, or maybe watching. it's the second and eight. Let me see. Let me see. Let me pull yeah, I'm on the first and ten. You're saying he yeah, got... Yeah, it's the, it's the second yeah, it's and eight. Not, They're it's... trying to crack him with an extended tight end. Sorry. It's the second and eight, the next play. Young is so fast up the field. And he looks right before the snap. He feels that tight end extended uh, I'm, I'm from him the, just I'm a little wrong, bit. I'm on the wrong drive here. I don't know what play you're talking about. What's what's the, the second result? Nine in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter? Yeah. Oh, you it's, you were saying it was the first drive after the interception. My fault. Okay. Yeah. That is my. That is not your fault. That is absolutely my fault. So, so where what, the second nine with three minutes and twenty seven seconds in the game. He is so fast up the field. I mean, misses a tackle six yards deep, but it changes the course of this play immensely. And then Payne ends up making a tackle for loss three yards down behind the line of scrimmage. God, he's just amazing. This guy. Oh yeah. They, if you have any questions, <laughs> if you have any questions, to, but the, the thing that I love about Young here because yeah. I've seen so many defensive ends, and I've been in this position. This tight end's been in a bunch of times too. And anyone, any coach is going to say the tight end's got his wrong foot up. Like, nah, change that foot, and Chase Young knows. But watch just before the snap, the motion goes. But he looks out. He sees that tight end right there. He knows he's getting cracked, and he. He's six. He's tackling the back like the second he touches it. That, that tight end. The had, point is, the whole play had no chance. No, no chance. Like, like someone's gonna be like, "You gotta change your feet." That dude's like, "Yeah, that we can't block him that way." And that's the thing about this guy. You, when you have a guy that you have to say, "We can't block him that way," you have a problem. Yeah, he can. Re- he will turn into a game wrecker. Yeah, he already has a couple times this year. He is awesome. So like if you, he's the best player on the field. Again, he's a A plus in this game. There we go. He was so much. He is so much fun for me to watch. Chase Young is the kind of player. Like if I'm buying one jersey, I'm buying a Chase Young jersey. He plays the game the right way for a guy that's capable of playing it at the highest level. He's still he's full motor, full bore. And watch the game, watch him on the sideline in the team. Like he is into it the entire time. Oh yeah. There's a fun NFL films Heineke. clip talking about Heineke. Yeah, I played it like, this morning. God, it's just everything about he's a competitor. I don't I don't know. I love Chase Young. Yeah. Yep. Love him. Hey, I mean look I the bottom line is, every everything we were hoping he would be in his rookie year, he's that and more. Yes. And maybe the best is yet to come on Sunday night and maybe in a, in a playoff game where he just totally takes it over. 
He will. He can. It's going to happen. He's going to take it over. He's a. He's going to be. He's going to have a year where he's got fifteen plus sacks in the next three. What does he even have? I'm not even keeping track of his sacks. I don't he know, just makes so many more plays. He's just. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Yeah. All right. A All plus right. for him. Uh, who's next? Let's do Montez. Okay. <laughs> There's a bull rush in this game in the third quarter. It's before his sack that he he just walks the right tackle back into the quarterback. Ball ends up back actually being complete on the play. <laughs> I, I wrote, he's long. And then I wrote strong. And then I had to stop and I started laughing to myself. While I was doing this at four 45 in the morning. And I wrote, he's bound to get the friction. on. <laughs> he's bound to what? Get the friction on. Maybe got back. Maybe. I don't know. I just, I wrote long and then I wrote strong and then I, how do you not do that? Um, how do you not do that? I'm by the way, so Chase, Chase, Young, Chase Young, six and a half sacks. So, uh, yeah. I, but I, it's so not reflective of the year he's had. He leads the team with 11 and a half TFLs, tackles uh, for loss. And how many forced fumbles? He's got four forced fumbles on the year. Uh, what, two, three in the last two games? Something like that. I wonder how those baby got back lyrics. (laughs) Deron Payne. Uh, We're still with Montez Sweat. That's what I meant. Montez Sweat. Uh, The sack on the third and eight is huge. He punked 75. I think 75 is a Utah State guy. Mm. The third tackle. That's not good. <laughs> no, <laughs> poor guy. Gosh, sweat just made him his bitch. The look, not as much in terms of making plays, but again, you watch Montez Sweat, and he has the ability to control the line of scrimmage, to control the edge. He plays with great hands. He plays with really good leverage for a tall guy. Um, had the stupid neutral zone infraction early in the game. That went from a first and ten. He's had a couple of those. How many of those is? I was just going to say. He's had a bunch. He's had several. He's had too many of those. We, I don't know how many we the team has actually had, but they've probably had more than you want. Right. Uh, Montez Sweat was a B plus. Okay, B plus. John Allen. I thought he played his best game. I thought so. I, I I mentioned that. I thought he was. I thought he was in the backfield consistently as I was watching the game. I just I thought he was awesome, man. Coming off a stunt with Deron Payne in the run game, making a tackle, swallowing guys up. Uh, big time pressure on the fourth and four that Deron Payne had a sack on. Great pressure by Jonathan Allen. Uh, can beat an offensive guard, can split a double team. Is been great throughout the year was really great in this game, rallying down the line of scrimmage to make plays like the second goal from the five that Reeves misses a tackle in the backfield. And Jonathan Allen had that neck tackle. Mm-hmm. It saves a touchdown right there. And then the very next play, the third and one, there's a little swim move on the goal line and fucking a just disrupt disrupts the entire thing. That's a shame by the way that they had the 12 man on the field penalty right there. Right. I, I, I think I figured that one out too. I went through that about 10 times. Oh boy. The, 
the next play. So in the 12 men on the field, there's this dude, Jared Norris, where's number 50, uh-huh. played two plays in the game. I promise you, Jared Norris knows when he's in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. Got, he, I mean, got, do you got one package? In your, he's like, go on, baby. Here we go. I'm in. Yeah. So the thing is, I'm watching the play, and him and Cam Curl are standing in the exact same spot in the ball step. They're kind of looking at each other. I'm like, damn, Cam Curl should come off. But you go to the very next play, and Reeves comes off the field. Uh-huh. Curl stays on the field. They could have changed the defense. So I think the 12 men on the field, but no, you, they're still in their goal line package. I think Jeremy Reeves should take the credit for that penalty. My bet is Reeves was the 12th man on the field. That's pretty funny. That Jared, Reeves is Jared, like, Jared Norris only gets how many snaps did he have in the game? Two. Yeah, so he's waiting for those two snaps. Like, he cannot <laughs> yeah, wait. Patiently. He's waiting for whatever he's the He's actually defense. the only guy on the field, on the sideline, that's like, I hope they get inside the four. <laughs> give, me the, give, me, give me the defense, how it would be called on goal line. Like, what's the call? No, I, I don't know. Six two stack monster. All right, six two stack monster. He's That's just waiting, right and he's just he's he's watching Del Rio. He's just he's he's standing right near him. He's just and then he hears uh, Jack, six two Jack monster, and he's like, "I'm in. Here we go." Let's there's let's go. There's no way he, he he did not hear it incorrectly. No, no, he was ready for that one. <laughs> Had to be Reeves. <laughs> Oh, uh, I thought Jonathan Allen was an A in this game. I thought he was really, really good in this game. Pain. Uh, I again, I I don't think it's it's Allen per se a lot. It's Allen, Young, Montez, Pain. They gotta be better at stopping the run, but it's the linebacker group that I think struggles more than anything. I I just. These guys make so many plays. Payne, God, he can split a double team. Double the sack he had on the fourth and four. He's getting double teams. Swats one dude, swats another dude. He's battling back there. I continue to be impressed with his speed. I, I think his speed is is really really good. And his ability to run down the line of scrimmage. He he's quicker than you give him credit for. Um, he's. He's got so many. I, I called them in this game. Get off me's. Like, it just gets rid of dudes. <laughs> get get off me. He's so strong, man. Right. Just swats them away. Get 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 off me on that fourth and and uh, the first drive of the game for Carolina. Yeah, when, swat swat. Yeah, hey, get, get get off me. Get yeah. off me. Oh, here, here, I, I've got I've got to get to Teddy. It's fourth down. Can you get off of me, please? And then, boom, he's there. Sack. And just barely pushes Bridgewater to the ground. <laughs> By the way, I was not impressed with Bridgewater, and I'm a fan of Bridgewater. But I, 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 one of the things I mentioned in the pre-podcast on Saturday, um, the one thing I've noticed about Bridgewater, and I was watching some of the Vikings game that he played, and he actually played well for a while, is if you can get him off his first read, it's not like he doesn't know where to go, but he becomes a little fidgety and less accurate. And I, I think they did that to him a bunch. No, there's definitely a couple plays that he missed throws that he had big opportunities on. Um, there was a boot that he missed a throw, I think, to DJ Moore. That probably was a sixer. I'll get to that with Kerrigan. Pain. Um, we'll actually pull that play up when we get to Kerrigan. Uh, the, the couple negatives with Payne. A couple of the scrambles, he gets out of his lane. Definitely the fourth and two scramble. 
he trips a little bit and then and he kind of trips he's on the left side of the line he kind of stumbles a little bit and then he goes with his momentum right and bridgewater just replaces in that gap and he gets the two-yard scramble holcomb tackles him on a fourth and two that he got you know, the one thing I would say is if he doesn't get out the ball, he can get behind blocks and he will live with it. Like Allen gets behind a block in a zone run scheme and he fights his dick off to get back in front of that thing. Even if he loses a yard or two yards, I think Allen understands if I play behind this, we're dead. And there's a weak side zone play where he gets behind both he's he's head up over the guard the guard goes in front of him the tackle then follows the guard and the tackle scoops him all the way up and that's exactly where the run hits is right behind him so there are one or two times where you know five six yard plays hit right behind our, our d lineman but not a lot um pain was a b in this game kerrigan was not a B in this game. Oh <laughs> I'm not going to kill Ryan Kerrigan. Okay. I, I'm, I'm just, I don't want to. Can I mention one thing about Kerrigan that I have noticed? You know, the bull rush is basically his only move. It's always been his only move. He still looks strong to me. Uh, he still he is strong. Really strong. Um, but anyway, continue. So go to the first quarter on your all 22 and it's the second drive. So scroll through to the second drive yeah. and it's the second play of the second drive. It's a second and 10 at the Carolina 47 yeah. or second and nine. Got it. They have the keeper game. The tight end blocks Kerrigan and then he just, randomly sits there and drifts he has no coverage responsibility here why isn't he just going after the quarterback then go get the quarterback then watch this play from the end zone copy as you get to the back end dj moore is going to score on this play so kerrigan gets blocked by the tight end go attack the quarterback now he's drifting into space like i, I don't know what he's doing oh my god if he had gotten it to dj moore he would have scored dj moore on this what you'd call the down flat late is going to score. This ball gets tipped, which is huge. I think Bostic <clears throat> tips this. He is scoring. It's a weird play because Robbie Anderson busts on the play. Like if you see the end zone copy, you're like, where is Robbie Anderson going? <laughs> he has no idea what he's doing, but because Anderson has no idea what he's doing, it ends up eating up Reeves and DJ Moore scoring. You got to go get the quarterback, Kev. You just you got to go get the quarterback right there if you're Ryan Kerrigan. Yeah, I think it's okay. Did 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 Kerrigan get the tip? No, I think it's Bostic. It's one of the two. If he got the tip, he saved it. But it, <laughs> I know, it's but, just right. Um, yeah, <laughs> and he totally redeemed himself. Right. Okay, so the play that really bothered me with Kerrigan the most in this game is the 50-yard run by Samuel. By Samuel. So that 50-yard run came, what, in the second quarter? Something like that, yeah. So Ryan Kerrigan is on the edge. They're running a, a weak side zone play at Ryan Kerrigan. The tackle comes out and doesn't totally swallow him up. But as 
the back or the receiver or whatever you want to call it, Samuel, who does everything, right. gets just to the edge of Ryan Kerrigan. He starts doing the stupid I'm getting held thing. Right. Was he? And he's throwing his hands up instead of making – no. He's not getting held. That's the thing. He's not getting held right there. But he starts doing that stupid throw your hands up thing. And you're like, go make the play, bro. He threw his it, hands up like and the that. play was over, too. He's like, hey, well, you missed it. Uh, yeah, and then and then at the end of the play, he's throwing his hands up again. You're like, this is the equivalent to a flop in basketball. Yeah, this was not a hold. Not even close. It's not even close to a hold. I don't know what he's hoping for there. I don't know what he's thinking there. It's just dumb football. You can never, ne- you can never ever get out leveraged that way. It's got to be better than that. And that's the thing that that play does not happen if Montez sweats in. Right. No chance. Now, again, it like Jeremy Reeves didn't need to get drugged for twenty-seven yards. No. I counted twenty-seven Ter- yards down the field. Like, they, 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 that didn't have to happen either. Right. Um, then a couple of other things like the, there's a third and 10, they drop him right. Two minute drill right before the end of the half, they drop him. He's way late to get out to the flat. He can't catch the back. And then he kind of just touches him with one hand and the back turns it up to the other line. You're like, it's not one hand touch guy. Okay. There's another, there's another drop into coverage on a second and seven. Why, in the why, third why, quarter. why would Del Rio drop 91 into coverage? We haven't, we seen that in previous years and Del Rio pretty much promised he wouldn't do that anymore. I mean, he well, did it a couple times in this game and he's not going to do it again. I'm going to talk to him again. I, I'm going to tell you right now. And I'm, and I mean this in all sincerity, if we're playing um, three on three, two handed, two hand touch in your backyard in in Leesburg and Ryan Kerrigan is covering me, I'm going to get open. You're if you're quarterbacking, you, you will watch me give one little juke on the inside, <laughs> and Kerrigan will be left standing there, and I'll be wide open on the outside, or I'll I'll I'll, I'll you know hit the hard uh, foot on the outside and, and and cut him off and break into the middle. I can get I open again. I can I, see. I can totally see you doing. I that. can get open with my my crossover stuff uh, against Kerrigan. He he looks. There's no one that has ever looked more awkward. In in coverage than ninety one, it is really it's it's painful to watch. Like he's the funny thing about Kerrigan is I do think he's an athlete. Like you know he anticipates well. How many times has he sniffed out screens and you know? But oh man, coverage not good. All right, what was he? Well, up uh, just one more thing. Go to the third quarter. It's the that long drive. It's a second and seven at the Carolina forty four. There's 12 minutes and 22 seconds in the third quarter. Yeah, left. I got it. Watch Ryan Kerrigan drop it into coverage here. Bridgewater drops back. He's looking to his right. Kerrigan's on that side. There's two receivers breaking out, and Kerrigan is dropping to the middle of the field, covering the space directly in front of Cole Holcomb. <laughs> well, Cole, <laughs> Cole was not an eligible receiver for Carolina. I'm watching this again. Why? No. How many times did he? He wasn't out there for a lot of snaps. How many times was he dropping in coverage? Why? I think just twice in coverage, but both times are it's an exploitation of this defense. Then this is the thing. Like you're going to watch this tape as a team and just say, 
why? <laughs> hey, uh, where are you going? Because <laughs> there's nothing here to dictate that he should be going anywhere but right where Bridgewater's looking. He's looking at Bridgewater as he drops into coverage, but he's going the opposite way that Bridgewater's looking. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm not going to present a letter grade for Ryan Kerrigan. Oh, boy. That means, that for those just tuning in, that means... I'm just not. It wasn't very good. It wasn't very good. Okay, what about Tim Settle? I think a couple of his bad plays, he wasn't in, in, in great position. Settle was not good. He was laid off the ball, played behind blocks. Um, he was stumbles McGee in this game two or three times, stumbling, falling down. Um, the They convert a third and one on the fourth drive that he's just straight pancake. They run over him. Um, he, he was he was an F in this game. All right, T- Tim Settle has had three poor performances in a row, but was an F in this game. Let's move on to the linebackers. Right after this word from one of our sponsors. The best way to learn a language, immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. The linebackers in the film breakdown. Thomas Davis is retiring at the end of the season, officially announced. Yeah, well, He's we, been watching film of the season and said, I think I've had enough. Yeah. He's retiring. He didn't play in this game. He was inactive. Um, yeah. He was inactive in this game. Michael Kendricks played some. Kalik Hudson played some. But for the most part, we're going to talk about Bostic and Holcomb. Yep. Uh, Bostic. There are times where he's getting better into coverage drops. Like early in the game, the fourth and four pain sack. It's a great matchup. It's a great zone drop right to the receiver who's in front of him. Like, thank you. <laughs> you, you know, just drop to the bubble. It's great. Um, and depth on some of his his zone drops are are is much better. His depth on some of his zone drops has gotten to be much better. Um, he had a tackle for loss, the Thomas Davis fumble. It's an instinctual blitz play to get the back in the backfield. Uh, that was that was so dumb that that didn't that that wasn't a fumble. Um, the negatives for Bostic. He had the, a defensive holding later in the game. That was the one penalty he had. It was very obvious against the tight end. He, he was groping him. Uh, he doesn't take on blocks well. Uh, especially downhill run at him, you know, the, the downhill game. He just doesn't fit offensive lineman physically, but he doesn't, he doesn't use enough to evade. So he struggles with that. Um, 
tries to play behind blocks at times, loses. His avoid just isn't good enough. Uh, God, the fourth and one on the goal line. Yeah. That's a weak, weak play there by Bostic. I, I mean, I'm not calling him soft by any means because I don't think he is. But that's his play to make right there. He's got he's to make that play. He's got to hit that back right in the chest and make that play. That's the only chance on that play. It was blocked well enough. Um, it was played v- very well up front. I mean, it was blocked for one. He got one. But Bostic's got to make that play. Uh, there's a quarterback scramble that the on the fumble, the Teddy fumble that they got. That, that Bostic sees that. Teddy's committed to scrambling, and Bostic sits there and waits for him. It's a third and seven. As soon as he commits to scramble, you got to close the space. It's Bridgewater's not going to juke you out of your socks, man. Yeah. And then again, as I said, better in coverage, he's still slow to squeeze some of the sit down routes that are around him. He's still unsure. Like, do I want to squeeze this one hard? Do I, and I get it, but he's a little bit slow to squeeze some of these things. Bostic was a C minus in this game. Mm-hmm. Cole Holcomb, I thought was very good. Um, you know, early in the game, he's beat across his face on a, a great double stick route by, I think, Samuel. And it's not the best matchup you want, but, God, that was a good stick route in this game. Um, thing, things I love about Holcomb, he, he is really physical with offensive linemen. Like, his gap fits. He, there's, there's a point where he bows the center's neck back, and then he's in on the tackle. Right. He hits it downhill. He's quick, but he is, he packs a punch, man. Uh, he's disruptive in his zone fits. He's disruptive in the gaps. He's a great block sh- shed guy. Um, he can avoid, but he, he gets off of blocks. He, it's, it's like a butt and press and shed. He's really good with that. Uh, had the sack in this game. He beat the running back. That was big time. Uh, I, I like Holcomb. I do. Uh, one negative play that I that I got to at the end of the game, they threw a seam route to Samuel out of the backfield. He guesses. He thinks Samuel's going to go flat, and he buzzes hard to the flat, and Samuel ducks right inside of him, goes up the seam. Samuel's coming from the running back spot. I like four verts with the running back. Um, that's a big Andy Reid thing with the running back becoming one of the verticals. It creates good distribution, but he guesses on that one and you give up the seam down the middle of the field. Um, I thought Holcomb was a B plus in this game. I think Holcomb is going to be a very good player. I do. I think Holcomb's a good linebacker. I'm surprised I'd be interested if he wouldn't become the Luke Keekley. The I, I don't quite understand why he's not playing. The why middle. he's not the Mike? Hmm. I think he should be the Mike. I think he should be the middle linebacker. Okay, that's their decision. Cam Curl. Um, I like Cam Curl in the run game a lot. Um, his his gap fits are ASAP. You know, he had a couple. He had one early that Thomas Davis just straight ran him over. Thomas Davis is a good back, or um, not Thomas Davis, Davis. not Mike Davis. Yeah. Right? Who? Oh, Mike Davis, What's, the running back. Yeah, my, yeah. My, he's a, he's a physical back. I told you that he was the guy. Yeah, I like I like them to wa- sign. He was he yeah. got no run in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Seattle's had McKissick, had Davis, had they've had some good backs that don't do a whole lot there that end up having pretty good careers. Yep. Um, 
great tackle on an RPO later in the game. He did have a missed tackle on a third and seven on the touchdown on the third and seven on Robbie Anderson coming down. He missed that tackle, end up scoring there. Uh, had the punch out fumble that wasn't a fumble that was ridiculous, but that's a nice little punch out. Uh, the long run by Samuel, that's a shitty angle by Curl initially to get to that from the backside. Uh, he ends up helping make the tackle. 40 yards downfield after he's getting tackled missed an arm tackle at the line of scrimmage but he's in there um with really good fits i'm liking him more and more in coverage i think he has the ability to cover from the safety position and i think he has the ability to play some man-to-man stuff curl was a b-minus in this game well remember he was a slot corner early in the season i do remember i do and he struggled in coverage as a slot corner jeremy reeves oh boy not gonna be good no, it wasn't. Um, I want you to pull up a play. I have a question for you. I, I This was the first play. This is not a true impact on Jeremy Reeves, but it's a second six on the first drive. On the It's at the 35-yard line. Incomplete to Robbie Anderson? In, I think, yeah, incomplete to Rob, short left to Robbie Anderson. They are playing cover two on this play. They are? It, yeah, and I I noted between Curl and Reeves, they do a good job of holding the shell initially, making it look like cover three. Oh, yeah, it looks like cover three initially. It looks like cover but, three initially, and right. then they're going to play cover two or they're going to play, or it's quarter, quarter halves. That said, Reeves is a two safety, and he is on the hash with two wide receivers out of him, which is risky. Tell me... That if this ball goes vertical, that Reeves can get outside to the outside receiver. Okay. Um, if they run an out with the inside receiver, and then the outside receiver runs a go. I just want you to tell me if you think Reeves can get there. Hold on. I mean, maybe they're playing quarters across the board, and Fuller just sees this. I could be wrong. It could just be straight quarters. I can't tell. Uh, honestly, I can't tell. I mean, if if you're saying, can he turn and run with the guy that that goes deep and catch him it, up the sideline? Yeah, I don't know. It, it, I mean, maybe it, they're it, just it, playing quarters here. I it, just I just had a question on that with you. It would have been worth the shot for Bridgewater. I don't know why. I don't know why Bridgewater threw to Anderson there. He wasn't pressured. Well, I think he throws. To, maybe it is quarters, but I think he throws to Anderson because he likes the matchup with Cleek Hudson. Right. But Anderson runs a bad little out route. Uh, Reeves. Can't tackle 27 yards after contact on the Samuel run. He can actually tackle, but on that play, he couldn't tackle. Right. I mean, 27 yards after contact. I I was I'd be fascinated to see if Curl doesn't get there if Reeves actually gets him down. <laughs> um, he had a missed tackle opportunity. He had an opportunity for a tackle lot for loss, a second goal at the five yard line. Uh, completely clean, unblocked. Nine, uh, Allen saves him on the play, but that second five at the goal line, he had a missed tackle right there. The third and 16, he, he's just, he's the single high safety. What are we doing here? You know, I do, you can't give up third and 16 vertical down the middle of the field. That that route shouldn't even have been thrown. That should have been, he should have turned that down by leverage. I don't, I just don't understand what he's playing. Like if he just stays head up over the inside receiver, Brid Rogers going to throw a dig. He's gonna, that route should never be thrown in 
cover three or with what you'd consider the middle of the field closed one safety in the clear in the middle of the field it should never be thrown he had a good scoop and score opportunity though he did <laughs> it didn't count Reese was a d okay the dbs uh the corners fuller. uh yeah go ahead fuller i thought the uh, by the way i i gave fuller and Darby high marks in this game on my Monday recap. Uh, so I'm very curious to see what you thought. Go ahead. So the positives, what do you have? Four tackles at the line of scrimmage on those screenplays? Yeah, he had three for sure. He, he's great against that. He really is. He is great again. He is, I mean, he is really he good. He reads that, it quickly and he, and, he, cover. and he never misses tackles on those plays. No, especially when they're playing, which they were a lot as a cover two corner. They did play a lot of cover two. They're playing him as a cover two corner. He ain't missing that tackle. He's good at that. Um, did have the big play on the third down in the fourth quarter where he did a good job of reading eyes on that inside go route to DJ Moore. Mm -hmm. I think I asked you what we should call that route. And I decided today it's an inside go, so I called it an Iggy. Mm. <laughs> Iggo. 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 I go. Whatever. I go? No. It's too close to go. Okay. okay. The negatives. I, I gave up a, the first play of the game. He's got There's an eight-yard hitch. He's off coverage. Almost all the negatives with Kendall Fuller come from off coverage this season or him dropping as an inverted two player. Uh, he gave up a hook route, same kind of thing, oh, the old button hook in the two-minute drill early in the two minute drill, the next play after that, they run a double move and he gets beat mm. and Bridgewater overthrows it. That's a sixer. <laughs> That's a sixer, which in, that would have been 20. That, that game would have been 20. That would have been 27 to three. It's an overthrow in that two minute drill right before the half. I think I'm looking at the play right now. I see Fuller fours on the outside. Um, no, not the one. Yeah. Not the play I'm thinking about. Okay. Deep. I'll find the exact play the, the if deep, you want the it. De the deep shot to DJ Moore? Yeah, I think so. Oh, he did get beat. You're right. He got beat. He got waxed. Mm -hmm. Shit his pants yep. on the double move. It's a good route. DJ Moore can play. And he had just, and he had just given up a hook the play before. It's, it's a really, you, you know... If you're coaching young players and you want to run double moves, DJ Moore does what I would coach. He gains ground on the outbreak. So his outbreak carries him upfield. Like a lot of guys on that outbreak will break it flat out. But you can't, it's so hard to break, go 10 yards, go flat out for three steps and then keep speed to get back up the field. If you, roll the out upfield it entices the db or the backer whoever it is to undercut you you look like you're running a bad out route and roll it but you're gaining ground then it's an angle where you can turn upfield better it's a really good route by dj Moore. but my god thank you teddy for overthrowing that or the game would have been over at that point 27-3 the game's over there's no doubt about it um yeah a couple bad plays i thought fuller was a b though in this game darby Dude, how many big plays did he make with pass breakups? A lot. Like third and 10 on a 
dig route, which I decided again is called a dig because it's a deep in and you put the I D and I together. I don't know why I didn't come up with that earlier. D I deep in. Yeah. yeah. I, I really think through these things, but you know, great transition out of his back pedal like the third and nine on the second drive great transition out of his back pedal to break that thing up he's getting better and better that as this season goes on he's getting better at breaking in like the third and ten on the deep in route man turn and run get his hand in front is huge had another pass breakup at the end of the half on a on another deep in route which is a heck of a job um later in the game there's a double move run by DJ Moore that he basically runs it for him. Right. And it's awesome. I mean, the negatives, he had a bad missed tackle on that long run by Samuel. Like, fell down. Right. Juked out of his shorts there. Yeah, well, that, 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 I, I that mean, was at the line of scrimmage. When we're talking about the negatives from a DB being one missed tackle on the edge, but covering his balls off. I'm fine with that. The other thing I saw from Darby, I wrote this down. I think he's getting, I think he's the best communicator pre and post snap. You can see him seeing things. You can see him pointing out things, dictating what he's doing, what everybody's got going on. I think his communications really, really good. Uh, Darby was an A. Moreland and we'll wrap it. Yep, we'll finish with Moreland, and I have one question for you right after this word from one of our sponsors. Ice in this game, he's they have two receivers to his side. He's a zone player. He's lined up inside the receiver, but he's a flat player. And he's given way too much to easy outbreaks. They're like, just gosh man you're hanging way too far inside like you've given up these easy out routes did it twice in this game let anderson break on the ball on an in route on a deep in route that should have been a pick just sat there like he's in the throwing lane the fact that bridgewater threw that is insanity Mm -hmm. the one that we talked about this where anderson just took it from him right all he's got to do is what what play was that where was that play do you remember i want to look at that play right that play down. Okay, well then don't worry about it. I, I thought that was such a great play by Anderson. About really, it was, good, an, it was an outstanding play by Anderson to to go to go get the ball. You know, it's like you know, you come meet the ball. You don't wait for the ball to come to you. It's a it's a very simple basketball concept about you know receiving a a bounce pass or a chess pass. You you don't wait for it. You meet it. Run through the ball. Yeah. And if Jimmy Moreland runs through the ball even a little bit. This is a pick. Right. It's probably a pick six. He's going to be really frustrated with that one. Um, he had the forced fumble on Teddy Bridgewater. Yep, he did. Which was which was big. His zone drops to depth are, are better, you know. The third nine that Darby – was it the one Darby broke up that he looked like Moreland picked? That it did that did hit the ground. I watched it a, a bunch of times on the TV copy this morning. Told you. It's good zone depth, though. Like they're all getting a better feel for their spots and drops. They did have a couple missed assignments in the back end. Uh, Moreland was a C minus in this game. I, I just I think this defense is really starting to understand what they're trying to accomplish and trying to do. And we've talked about this over and over, and so we don't need to belabor it. But they just they're lacking talent at a couple key positions to be uh, elite, to be the best defense in the league. They they can get that talent though. 
you know, they, they can acquire guys that you get one middle linebacker. It'll change it. One more, one more dynamic linebacker and you'll change things a ton, man. And if you had a playmaking single high safety, that's the other thing you need a guy in the middle of the field that can make plays. Did you get a guy in the middle of the field, like your two middle players, your, your free safety and your middle linebacker become playmakers. You're this is a devastating defense. Did Michael Kendrick show anything in his nine snaps? Oh, uh, he played eight snaps. Yeah, he he looks like he knows what's going on. Oh, yeah. I didn't say I didn't grade Hudson either. I thought Hudson was a D. I do like Hudson's toughness. I like his speed, but he is not capable of playing in the box with offensive linemen. Not at this point. Um, Kendricks understands what he's doing. Kendricks was a very good player. Yeah, All right, he's so, better than Thomas Davis. That that that's for sure. Well, he he'll be up and and well, KPL wasn't up, so that was part of the reason. Um, all right, the the last question, and then we'll end the show for the day. And that is, I I mentioned to you when we were talking about and we were debating how well the defense had played. I sort of had this sense that Carolina, with a twenty to three and then a twenty to six lead, wasn't nearly as aggressive as they were in the first half, and maybe that contributed to the better results in the second half true or not true and not i think until the drive until their last actual drive i think that they were trying to make plays but that last drive they they ran it three straight times up 20 to 6 they ran it on third and 12 right yeah at that point you're they were saying they they may as well on third and 12 have taken a knee they ran it a lot on that opening eight-minute drive before the you know they they ran the ball a lot. They I I, I don't well, I don't. But know. most of their I mean it was interesting the long drive that they scored on with Samuel, they ran it every play right right, and then they tried to run it on the next drive they scored on, but they ended up converting on a third and sixteen down the field and then a third and seven so that drive ends up scoring through the air. I, I, I mean, they still had a couple, you know, that, that long drive to start the third quarter. They were moving it. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the thing. I think when you look at this defense, you can play Ben don't break in the back end because at some point guys like Sweat and yeah. Allen and Payne and I, and well, yeah. I, and I just, but I always say that with Allen Payne, he's not there. And, and Chase Young are going to make a play. Like you have enough guys that you can play Ben, but don't break that you're going to make a play. Yeah, they 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 are. They're a good defense. All right, I um I'm off tomorrow and Friday. Happy New Year to everybody. Thank you, by the way, to everybody for listening to this podcast. It's really appreciated. Um, you have no idea how much I appreciate it, and Chris appreciates yeah, it, and Tommy it. appreciates it. Um, so I wish everybody a happy new year. Uh, I'm going to be back Saturday with a preview and a pick like I did last week with or without Cooley. Um, if you want to join me, you can, uh, but we have a season ending game, which is a winner go home game. We've not had that in a long, long time. 2016 was winner go home against the giants and it was a disaster. Um, 2012 was winner go home and it turned out to be really, really good. Um, so it's exciting that uh, a Sunday night, uh, to play the Eagles, by the way, Fletcher Cox more likely than not is out. Um, I, I really like our chances on Sunday night and I don't even know who the quarterback is right now. Uh, I just feel good about it's it, but Alex, 
But I'll come in here on Saturday morning and do a preview, um, you know, quick preview with a pick. Are you going to be around or not? Yeah, I will. I will definitely be around. Okay, so we'll do that, and it'll be short and sweet. Um, I'll give out the smell test uh, on Saturday as well. But next two days off, Happy New Year, everybody. Um, And uh, by the way, Cooley, somebody sent me a little local press for you and the family. Somebody, oh, the Pal Tribune. We made it into the old Pal Tribune. The, the Pal Tribune with a story on the Coolies returning home. Um, I didn't read the whole thing because it, it, somebody just sent it to me on Twitter before the show started, but I can't wait to get that read in tonight. I haven't read it yet. Oh, okay. It, it came out yesterday. Right. Uh, happy New <laughs> Year, everybody. Back, back on Saturday. We'll put something out Saturday mid-morning um, that you can consume all day Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday, Sunday during the day before the game because the game's not until Sunday night. But we'll have uh, everything about the Eagles game then.